welcome back to Arts About. Show about art that's a work of art in itself. I understand, Mark, you uttered these words in my absence. Apparently I did, yes. Yeah, I you did. I did it correctly. Oh, I, well, yes, I don't think there's it? anything incorrect about the way you did it. It was no, no. different. I was going to ask, though, Sally, who yeah. does a better job, Mark? Oh, you I? Definitely oh that's nice to do it on air and put me on the spot, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> no, no, but I can see, John. John. Yeah, you do do a very good job. Many things you do much better John. than me. Yes. It's the mellifluousness of the voice, yes, I think, that is. really... Yeah, steady on. I was just making <laughs> making light of it. You're listening to Arts About, which is, of course, brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. And you're here with artist-in-residence and cultural sounding board John Baird, the obtuse and always surprising Mark Stewart, and me, Sally Bailey, to discuss what we've been thinking about this week. Is that a tautology? Obtuse and always surprising. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Mm. It is a bit. Yeah, I was exaggerating. Uh, yes, no, it is, John. It is. It's mm. tautological. Never mind. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Um, did you hear that the director of uh, the Art Gallery of South Australia has changed? It's now been... Um, the Who art, was it? Well, the director of the Art Gallery of South Australia has actually moved to the NGV. He's taking over from Jared Vaughan. Oh, really? So I don't know who's going to take over the Arts Gallery in South Australia just yet. I don't know whether or not... So taking over... Um, the Australian National Gallery. The Australian National Gallery, that's right. right. Nick Mitrovic yeah. is his name. I right. think I pronounce it correctly. Mm. And he has been working at the Art Gallery in South Australia for some time. Well, I and must have been there under his command. Yes. Because uh, I, I was here within the last two years. Yes. And it was fabulous, I have to say. He, he's done some very good shows. He has, and he's brought up all those now. extraordinary um, uh, Tarnathi, uh, the Aboriginal or the Indigenous um uh, exhibition that's, that was a huge sculpture exhibition that was oh, yes. on there just recently. I think that's a biennial event that he initiated. And, um, yeah, he seems like quite an interesting fellow. Anyway, Jared Vaughan la- said he was leaving last year and he has mm. uh, now, that just in the last couple of days, they've nominated or, or, or publicly noted that Nick Mitsovich is going to be doing it. So. And uh, Gerard Vaughan's off to write a book, presumably? Presumably, yes. Mm. Mm. What have you been doing this week, John? Uh, I've been coming down from uh, my journey up to Sydney. Are people know. treating you like a normal human being again? Yes, it's, <laughs> it's appalling. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. I can walk into the shop and no one takes any notice. notice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit sad, isn't it? And what about, what about you, Mark? Uh, well, I've been looking after my daughter and her mother and... Um, Oh, of course, because that's why you weren't with us last that's week. You're picking them up from the airport. And my uh, my real mother has ended up in um, hospital. She's got uh, dementia, so that's yeah. a uh, oh, that's hard great, time. Very interesting mm. thing. But um, I've been managing to look at. I haven't looked at much art, but I've been reading about quite a bit. Mm. I'll tell you one thing. I have been doing during the week. So yes, John. I've decided I need to replace my ute, so I've been going to car yards. Oh, yes, that sounds like fun. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I was treated to a, uh, a visit to uh, Cameron, not his real name. Okay, good. Who is a uh, young and upcoming sleazebag in the industry. And, yes. uh, you know, the pointy shoes, the tight shirt, the gelled hair. Yes, I do. And a list of favours that he can do for me because he likes me. Right. Mm. Yeah. Are you going to take him up on his offers? No, I kind of backed out in a cold sweat. 
<laughs> I think the thing is you have to choose the car before you engage with one of those people. Right. It's difficult, I know. Uh, look, don't ask me, so actually. I'll give you I'm some terrible pointers after the show. Okay. Good idea. Yeah. Right. Well, today... Are you on... doing that because you like me, Mark? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to waste your money on a stupid car. Right. On the show today, we're going to hear an interview that I did with Sharon Weems-Smith last week. You might already know her as the co-director of the Manyang Gallery Group. Uh, she's also spearheading the second iteration of On the Map, the event coming up on the 29th of April, showcasing the creativity going on in the Mornington Industrial Estate. We're also going to be talking with David Clarkson, who is the director of an extraordinary theatre production coming to the Frankston Arts Centre at the end of the month called Creature. Uh, it's uh, an adaptation of the old, very old story of Dot and the Kangaroo that uh, you might think might be a great opportunity to introduce some young people you might know to some rather sophisticated theatre. And uh, by all accounts, I think you may enjoy it yourself. So we're going to talk to him a little bit later on um, in the show. Um, so while we get things going, I've got a bit of music for you here. This is Taj Mahal. Uh, and following that, we'll listen to Sharon Wim Smith. This is Taj Mahal with Father On Down the Road. This morning, as I mentioned earlier, I've got Sharon Wim Smith in the studio with me to tell us about On the Map. It's a festival showcase for artists and creative entities in the industrial precinct in Mornington that's happening on April the 28th. Sharon has many hats, not least as co-director of the Manyang Gallery that has four arms on the Mornington Peninsula, as well as a site in Melbourne. She grew up in Rye and has at one time even been a Miss Moomba. She was also standing next to the Arts Minister or Premier at the time, Jeff Kennett, when he flicked the switch to turn on the lights and the spire in her role as liaison between Channel 10 and their sponsorship of the arts in the 80s. She's here this morning to tell us about the latest project that she's been running called On the Map that brings arts and business together successfully. On the map's going to put a spotlight on the creative people on the Mornington Peninsula estate and Sharon is joining us here this morning to talk about it. Thanks for talking to us today, Sharon. Welcome to What's About. Thanks, Sally. It's great to be here. Tell me a little bit about uh, On the Map. What is it? I think it's its second iteration this time. Yes, a a lady called uh, Lindy Mabbott, who is an artist, um, came up with the concept uh, a good two years ago and it happened uh, about 18 months ago. We have just uh, tried to grow it and develop it and really it is about a helicopter over the industrial estate highlighting all the creative thinkers and doers in the industrial estate. Many of us don't know all the secret little places that are around so we're hoping to highlight this with this festival and Mm. add some colour and diversity to the industrial precinct. Well, we've, uh, on Arts About, we've had quite a lot of people come into us at various times on the program. There are so many incredible things that are going on out there. There seems to be quite a movement into the arts that's happening and bubbling around in the Mornington precinct. What does On the Map mean, though? What what do people see? What what will happen on that day? On that day, you can sort of park your car wherever you like. We've got two fabulous buses running right throughout the industrial estate. The last time the event happened, it was probably the difficulty was from people going from one site to the other. So we've tried to fix that up by making a fun bus ride all the way around and they stop at every single entity so that nobody, no business misses out. And on top of that, 
the people get to see all these different little spaces. Whether they stay a short time or a long time, it depends on their interest on the, on, in the space. But who's participating? What kind of businesses or artists are going to be on there? Well, if I go through just a few for you. Mm, that'd be great. Uh, I mean, we obviously have Bellic Arts, mm-hmm. which is the Indigenous sort of arts. Gallery and workshops yes, there. Yes, yep. very much so. Um, we have Oak Hill Galleries, and they are doing a, they're currently preparing for a, um, a nude show. Well, if I call it nude, uh, you know, a celebration. Life yeah, life drawing celebration of the female form. They will be uh, announcing the winner on April the 28th. Yep. And I do believe that they've got their pottery wheel going on the day as well, which will be quite interesting. So people will be able to engage in some of the workshops that they have on, on that mm. day. Uh, of course, there's Southern Boy who's got open studios and some wonderful artists and they will engage, I, I'm sure, with lots of different things. Micah Mills was in uh, a week or two ago talking about it. He mentioned on the map, actually. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's mm. great. Look, we're hoping everybody's just sort of so involved and charged up about it. Um, we've also got somebody like Psycho Motorcycles. And they're a new business in the industrial estate. You, you're looking at me and saying, whoa. Yeah, what the? <laughs> well, they're doing a Texan barbecue. Oh, and okay. on top of that, they'll obviously have beautiful bikes out, but they've got a lot of, um, sort of artistic bike memorabilia mm-hmm. style things. And they'll have some sculpture there that'll be bikes. So that's quite an interesting thing. Mm. Uh, one of the things I think with the on the map, uh, event that I've noticed there's a lot of sort of performance art going on mm. out there both in um, street art oh yes yeah. I think you mentioned to me that there's a Spanish artist who's doing a, a live mural at the time yeah the brewery has got uh, Marco and he is absolutely amazing it brings a bit of an international flow into the whole event and he's using large brushes and whatever it's quite a performance so people can gather around the brewery and watch him create something. Oh, that's lovely. And Josh from the Nook has got um, another sort of street art uh, project that he'll be doing during the whole day in the uh, common area of near Common Folk and, yep. and the Nook. So that'll be wild. And uh, he's such a happy guy too. So I'm sure people will be really engaged with that. And Common Folk are doing something a little different. One of their baristas is like a state champion, so he will be performing at a fairly high level making coffees. And I assume there'll be a bit of performance with that. Mm. And uh, Mang Young Gallery Art Warehouse, uh, we will have a sort of a uh, recycle show, which sounds unusual, but we've got a few artists that work with recycled materials, so they're quite different, and it really works well in the warehouse environment. Mm-hmm. Is that um, fashion-oriented, fabrics or textiles? or It's a bit of everything. Yep. It's wood, mm-hmm. it's uh, corrugated iron, oh. it's fabric, it's paper, and all these things have been recycled. So it's a movement that is happening very much down here, and we thought that might work there oh, for yeah, a bit of difference. Absolutely, yeah. Um, on top of that, we've, um, we see, uh, places like, um, Black Spot coming on board and they're in, in, near the industrial estate and he always has some very interesting young artists that he shows. Poppy Culture, who, who actually works with 
floral design mm-hmm. and she will probably do like a wearable form with plants and so oh, that, really? Yeah, that'll be quite wild. Yeah, okay. Palachibo's uh, got things happening there. He's got something going on with fruit and vegetables with an artist in residence there and mm. uh, they're going to do something creative with uh, the vegetables as well as their wonderful restaurant there. So you're also involving food. I mean, it's it's creative people, but it's food operators that it will be open during the time? Yeah, we're really lucky to have that. And I, I think that we're going to promote that as the total entity as well. Because quite often, if you're there for a full day, you want to have coffee or you mm. might want a sandwich or you, you might want a hot dog. I or mean, a beer or a beer. Well, of course, the brewery will have a few things going like yep. that. Um, yes, yeah, so there's many, many places that they'll be able to do that. And on top of that, you'll find uh, patches of um, groups of artists painting as one at certain spots where maybe they have not had as much in their little area. We're adding a little more colour and light to it mm. with performance, music, acrobats, comedians, um, mm, wow. to add the colour a busy day and we'll have uh, some of the fun arts people jumping in and often on the bus and going into each of the venues and doing a little performance engaging with the community so the idea is you kind of turn up park your car and either go Off into the go. first venue or, ju- or hop on the bus when it comes past yeah. and that'll take you to somewhere else yeah. fantastic well this is a great extension of what you you mentioned to me a little bit earlier is about your your great overarching interest in in kind of mixing up the arts and arts and business I suppose and sponsorship of bringing, bringing together a sort of a, a, an economic way for artists to interact and also to showcase creative and cultural diversity mm-hmm. that's very important to me because I, I I think art is such an incredible form we can even look at a tree and see a piece of art in a tree there's yeah. a lot of things you can do and to be able to see some of these people creating things or physically making a statement, whatever it is with, whether it be in dance. Mm. And I didn't say Paul Devers are involved as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, yes, who are they? Do they, is it a, is it a pole dancing school? It's what a is pole it? dancing school. So we have some dancing ah. schools that are also involved that will do a performance while you're popping around. Amazing. Yes, well, it sounds like a really broad uh, mm. palette. There's got to be something for everybody, and, and presumably it's child-friendly as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm very lucky that we've got a fabulous committee that has worked with us, and again, they've got a little diversity with them, with each of them with a bit of talent. And uh, the most important thing is that we're hoping this will create a beautiful cultural community within the area, that people work well together, and we grow this year on year. Sounds amazing. Look forward to keeping a track on it as it as it grows. It's been wonderful talking to you today, Sharon Weems Smith. On the map's going to be on in the Mornington Industrial Estate on the twenty eighth of April. And what's the best way for people to find out a little bit about it and or how how to get involved or how to see what's on? Well, Mornington Peninsula Magazine is going to have quite a bit on it, and so will the newspapers. But look, let's say the easy way is pop on the website on the map events dot com dot au. And certainly we'll be letting you know with a bit of social media and other Mm. bits of communication. Terrific. Well, I'll also put a link on the Facebook page of Arts About. So thank you. Thanks so much for talking to us today. Bye. Bye. 
Dot and the Kangaroo is a children's story that was written in 1899 by Ethel Pedley and it tells the story of five-year-old Dot who gets lost in the bush and is rescued by a kangaroo who gives her something to eat that allows her to follow the languages of the animals around her, changing the way that she sees the Australian bush and her place in it forever. It inspired an animated movie in 1977 and, predictably for its era, um, used many of the same elements as the Disney classics, but it also rather unusually for its time referenced Indigenous Australian culture, animating cave paintings and Aboriginal dancing. Now it's inspired a stage production adapted by John Remerell and brought to us by Stalker Theatre and Out of the Box Productions, and it's coming to Frankston Arts Centre on the 28th and 29th of April. Creature, an adaption of Dot and the Kangaroo, combines aerial acrobatics, live music and 3D projection, in a, immersing us all in a version of the Australian landscape we've probably never seen before. To explain a bit more, on the line with us this morning is director David Clarkson. David's also the co-founder of Sydney-based Stalker Theatre and has become one of Australia's leading internationally touring physical theatre companies. With over 30 years' experience as a physical performer, divisor, director and producer, David's current fascination is 3D interactive technology and live performance. Good morning, David. Welcome to Arts About. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. David, um, what was the inspiration in the first place of Dot and the Kangaroo for your theatre company? Uh, it, was, it was a kind of happenstance in many ways. Um, we were commissioned by the Bundan on Trust, um, which was uh, set up. Um, in New South Wales on the property um, uh, of Arthur Boyd. Um, and they asked us to do um, some projections, interactive projections of the flora and fauna of, of around the Bundanon Trust. Um, so we set up, we made some creatures, um, some animals, that basically you projected onto the, the homestead of um, Arthur Boyd's homestead, old own homestead, and we made a range of creatures that if you moved in front of them, they would move and dance and, and respond to your movement. Um, and we went, oh, this looks quite interesting. Um, and we put it up on the wall and we did it in the evening. And there were about 200 people in the audience of about 50 were children. And the children just went wild. It was just like, oh, okay. Oh, we've, we've locked onto is, something here. Yes, we're, we're onto something here. I went, Okay, this is a children's this is a children's show, and then um, I was actually speaking to my partner Maggie Breen, um, and I said, "Oh, what do you think?" And she went, "Oh, my auntie did an adaptation of Dots and the Kangaroo," and me being a, originally a New Zealander, I actually hadn't heard of it. Um, she went, "Oh, you should have a look at this," and I looked at it and I went, "Yep, that is it," and I. Particularly loved and was drawn to the dedication at the beginning of the book that says something like, excuse me if I paraphrase, um, to the children of Australia and the hope they learn to love and enjoy the beautiful and frolicsome creatures of our fair land that are slowly but surely being ruthlessly destroyed by exploitation. And I just went, wow. Oh, yeah, here's, here's a way <laughs> she, to affect that. She, you know, she punched it way back in 1899 and the story is still the same and it's a beautiful charming story but at the heart of it is a very strong message of um i guess environmental awareness and and with the creatures we made the interactivity and the projection um i was very lucky to um um have a, a, a good friend 
John Rommel come in and, and do the script, and uh, it all came together slowly, but surely with the wonderful help of a commissioning partner um, from Queensland Performing Arts Centre um, gave us the dollars to realise the vision. Mm. So, Demore, tell us about this 3D animation or interactive technology because uh, some of us won't have seen it before. No, so this is something I've been um, researching uh, in conjunction with uh, two, two people mainly, Andrew Johnson and Andrew Bluff. They're both researchers at the University of Technology in Sydney. And we're developing systems that basically to your movement. So as I move on stage or anywhere, um, the projection environment reacts to our movement. Um, and we run that into an animation system now. Um, and we have started working also in Not Creature, which is a theatre show, but we've started now working in, in 360-degree environments, um, kind, of kind of creating virtual reality without the headset, so kind of shared participatory virtual reality. Um, Ideal I, I, for children, I would think. <laughs> yes. Yeah, children love play spaces mm. uh, that, w- that we make with this technology. Um, but they also love the theatre shows, uh, and um, in the theatre show, we basically, the animations respond to the movement of the dancers uh, and the actors and it just kind of gives an aliveness. It's not like just watching a film. It's, it's, it's like watching a film that has like, all this live performance in it, but also that actually responds in a live manner to the movement that happens. And, and this is a kind of theme that I'm developing in my work for the, for the next several years. Mm. I, I don't like the sound of your bump-ins, I've got to say. I, uh, your text must be absolutely endless. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, the, the shows are, are, are quite technically complex, but really, what I want to make is I want to make the all that stuff kind of seamless, and really, it, it's there to service the humanity of the work. You know, yeah. if I'm not creating a message and 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 making people see things afresh, then the technology is just you know it's just so much window dressing. It's got to have heart in it. It's got to have heart. So uh, I think I read in the blurb there's uh, and and saw a little bit there's a YouTube uh, uh, trailer of of the show which makes it look yeah. incredible. You have aerials in it as well as obviously dance, but music. Yes. Um, so Peter Kennard, a wonderful composer, um, has written a fantastic um, score. Um, so there's about six songs in total um, that are sung live. Um, we have lost our wonderful double bass player, but we have a fantastic live um, uh, baritone ukulele player now um, doing a wonderful job. So, yes, a mixture of song and music, uh, a mix of pre-recorded but also live. I mean, it's, it's a huge it's a huge rig by the sound of things. Uh, is it the kind of show that will appeal to all ages or is it, a, is it really directed to young people? Um, we find... The way John's written the script, we find the adults enjoy it as much as the kids. Um, we've had very happy kind of 12, 13-year-olds. Maybe there's a, a some kids are a little bit too cool for school between yeah. about 14 and 17, but yeah. then after that they totally get into it again. They don't so much then. it's kind of as much for the adults as it is for the kids, um, and kids pretty much from four on upwards right to 12.
well. There's so much acrobatics and dance in it. The wow factor is pretty high. Um, you'd have to be a, a pretty, um, I don't know, a pretty closed-eyed kid not to just enjoy it. It's a lot of the show's a lot of fun. Mm. Well, it's probably a great opportunity. A lot, we, a lot of our listeners are probably not in the younger age groups, but they certainly would have children and they certainly would have grandchildren. It, prob- it sounds as if it might be a wonderful thing to actually take along and introduce them to some theatre. Yeah, absolutely. I think as a first piece of theatre, there's so much um, colour and movement, but also so much heart, really. Um, so, yes, hopefully uh, we're looking forward to um, coming down to Victoria and uh, embracing uh, the audiences down there. Mm. Very interesting. I mean, that little piece that you read a little bit early on by the uh, original author um yeah. that, Ethel, that Ethel yes that um that describes this sort of understanding at that time of the interrelationship between the environment and creatures and and humans which is obviously in the storyline itself uh, is rather wonderful but it was extraordinary to at that time also include um the indigenous population was she did she talk much about that in that original story yeah it just uh, um it's a, it's a really interesting point, um, and we've worked with... Um, so there's two in, uh, Indigenous casts in, in the show, mm-hmm. um, and we've worked extensively trying to tease out that through line, really. Um, it was a complex politics, or it's still a complex politic in Australia. Um, but looking back at 1899, it's, it's really interesting. In many ways, the integration of... Um, the indigenous through line in the story is dated, no doubt about it. We've mm-hmm. temporised it. Um, we've consulted a lot uh, with a, a range of um, people to make sure that that has heart. It's really interesting looking at other books written in the time. There's a wide Australia policy. I mean, it, it hadn't come into existence, but there's, there's so many areas where Indigenous people aren't even mentioned or talked about. Yes. So the mere fact that Ethel, Ethel Pedley actually integrated um, Indigenous culture into the story um, was quite a step because, I mean, she was saying, well, at least, uh, you know, she was saying it's terrible what's going on, you know, humans are destroying the bush, but the Indigenous people didn't destroy the, destroy mm. the bush. It's the white fellas who destroy, were destroying the bush. Like, she... She called some pretty good shots yes. in regards to uh, the way she told the story, but it is still it's still dated, that part of the show. So we've kind of temporised that. Yes. Well, they're still destroying the bush. And um, yeah. uh, the, the more that we can perhaps uh, enlighten our youngsters to a bit of empathy with some of it is uh, the better, I'd say. Yes, absolutely. And that's very much the aim of the piece. I really wanted to make you know, it. You know, Australia has a terrible um, extinction record over the last few hundred years. Um, and it's just I just went, Dot McKangaroo is a lovely, charming piece, um, but I wanted also to make a piece that made a statement. It's like, let's look after the, the, the bush of Australia. It's time, mm. you know. If it's not now, when? <laughs> 
Well, I look forward to seeing it. Uh, it, it. It does look absolutely extraordinary. I'm going to put some links on our Facebook page so some of our listeners can have a look at, at, at some of that but and also uh, to buy tickets. It's on at the Frankston Arts Centre on the 28th and 29th of April and obviously you can buy tickets through the Frankston Arts Centre's website. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you today, David Clarkson. Thank you so much and uh, good luck with it. It looks like a wonderful project. Thank you so much. I'm just, uh, we're about to run a rehearsal and, and get back to doing a full run of the show. So look forward to, um, to being down south. Terrific. Thanks again. Okay. Bye. Bye. And now it's time for John, John on. I think I'll be forever grateful to Swanee for that uh, echoing I know, introduction. It's good. <laughs> I like it too. Hmm. When I was, uh, I think about 10, Mark. I'm going to tell a story about being a 10-year-old boy. Um, my parents uh, used to hang out with these other couples um, and they all liked a bit of a, a bit of a cold beer on a hot night, that sort of thing. But there was one family who had a house, was almost the last house in the houses on the beach as you went down towards Seaford. So at the carom end of Seaford, uh, on the beach there and we used to gather at this house there'd be maybe four or five couples there and each couple probably had four or five kids so there was a huge bunch of kids and uh, rather than trying to accommodate us they would uh, just throw a whole lot of hessian bags and mattresses and lilos and stuff out in the yard on a summer night and in the middle of the yard was a big concrete pit that they'd light a fire in and uh, the fire had a sort of a griddle that would swing over the top of it on a set of chains. And uh, at about sundown, a bit after sundown, it was out onto the beach. There's a big shed on the beach and we'd get out the rowboat. The blokes would get out the rowboat. And there was a big net in the shed and uh, they'd put the net on the boat and we'd as kids would hang on to one end of it on the beach and he'd row out they'd row out in this boat just straight out into the darkness dropping the net off the back of the boat as they went until it was out its full length which was quite long and then they'd row back in in a kind of a semicircle around through the bay and uh, meet up where they left off and then it was hauling time and uh, mainly the kids job hauling in the net and we'd pull this thing in always full of fish mm. and uh, w there would be a selection made by a few of the fathers they'd pull out a particular kind of fish I'm not kind of remember what it was maybe a brim or something like that for the barbecue uh, a lot of other fish were thrown into the, about what was available buckets and baskets and stuff and put aside and quite a bit of it also just let back into the bay and released. And the net would be dragged up and stuffed it back in the shed and the boat tied up. Barbecued fish for dinner, obviously, oh, and um, cold beer for the grown-ups. Pop for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just go to sleep when you want to. Oh, divine. It was divine. Uh, in the morning, the job was to... Uh, because all of the grown-ups would be hung over and asleep, so but we knew our job was to um, straighten the net out along the fences on the beach so that it could dry out a bit and pick all the seaweed and stuff out of it as much as we could. 
and um, some of us had to schlep the buckets and baskets of dead fish down to a vacant block about six blocks down, which had a big sort of water tank on it, which is where they went and got soil thrown in on top and it was fertiliser. Oh, of course, yes. And they'd make their own fertiliser for I thought you were going to say you were going to make soy sauce or fish sauce or something (laughs) ghastly. For their orchard or whatever Um, it was they had elsewhere, you know. Imagine the stink of it. It stank. It was terrible. But after that was done, I remember playing um, a game called Lands on the beach. It was low tide. You could draw territory on the beach. And divide it up, and then you'd uh, you would be struggling to maintain your own territory. By now, I never played that. I don't know that game. No, we played it. We played the Grace Park tennis courts. Right. They weren't very happy with that. Oh, scratching lines scratching in the tennis courts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't mind us doing it on the beach. No, of no. course not. And I remember this clearly. I remember doing that, and then suddenly this this man appeared out of absolutely nowhere. And he grabbed a girl, a young, like an eight-year-old girl who was didn't have her parents there. She was visiting with her friends mm-hmm. for the night and dragged her off, started dragging <gasps> her off. You're kidding. And uh, a couple of the older boys uh, sort of confronted him and he shrugged them off and pushed them away and dragged this girl away. And we ran inside the house to alert the hungover parents. Yeah. Took them a while to realise something was going on. The elder boys came back around from the front of the house and they sort of made a note of the kind of car that this guy had driven away in. With the girl? With the girl. Good heavens. And things got very serious. Things got extremely serious. I remember being held by the shoulders and interrogated by my mother about what kind of man this was, where he'd come from, where he'd gone. And uh, the police were involved. They arrived. And uh, later on that day... We found out that, in fact, it was her father who had come and extracted her from the bohemian sort of crowd on the beach that he was concerned about and said that a couple of these young bohemians had assaulted him as he he was leaving the beach. That poor girl, she's living in a terrible family or was living in a terrible family. Yeah, we sort of, as a compensation to her, managed to... Get her down to Phillip Island for a summer stay at Summerland's house on Phillip Island about six months later or something, a year later, and nearly drowned her in the surf. (laughs) (laughs) Poor girl. No wonder her father did come and take her away then. (laughs) Oh, dear, oh, dear. Mm. The reputation of the bears. It was all right in the end. (laughs) She didn't lose her virginity. Oh, no, mate. Eventually she will. She was 10. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Moving on, yes. Okay, that's so, a beautiful story. Well, just to move on from there, John, I, we used to go uh, fishing at Mentone Beach. Oh, yeah. For flounder. With a net? No. With oh, the, yeah, with the, the light box. You'd have the tie yeah. and the yes. light. You'd have yeah. the light and the tie with the battery. Yeah, <laughs> the I used to love flounder yeah. fishing. Yeah, and you'd, 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 so you'd find fun. them, the poor things, and you know, yeah. they'd be hiding camouflage, and, and then you'd yes. have to be careful. Stabbed what kind of stupid fish grows itself into the shape of a dinner plate? And, well, look, it's, <laughs> it's pretty successful. I mean, it's still around, aren't they, flounders? Yeah. Yeah, they're ancient fish and they are still around. All right, so and we better deli- move on. We better move on. They're delicious. Too. They are yeah, delicious. They they are. Yeah. <clears throat> so moving on from smelly fish to yes. art. Yes. Um, there's uh, Eugene von Gerhard at uh, Ballarat Art Gallery, which apparently is a very good show. 
So is it the Bonjour ads that we're used to seeing? No, there's some that we've never seen, apparently. Oh, are they? How do they know I've never seen them? Well, they weren't talking to you. They were talking to me. So that was uh, my good friend Christopher Allen. Right. And he Uh, said, Mark, you haven't seen these. You haven't seen these ones. Mm. Um, It's worth going, definitely. Did you say Ballarat? Ballarat Art Gallery, I think we'd better go up there, don't you? Yes. And then there's the Colony Show, which is on at uh, Fed Square and at uh, the NGV, which is Colony Part 1, so it's all the original painters, oh. a lot of Aboriginal uh, people also in there now. All a good thing. Uh, the good news is that the BBC is making a new nine-part series called Civilizations. Oh. So it's a re-version, a new version of Kenneth Clark. Did you right. remember, do you remember? Did you see I him? do uh, Clark, yes. I remember yes. Kenneth Clark's so series and I remember the book too. The book yeah. is great. I've got, yeah. I've got them as well. Um, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to in, the, this time there will be women in, you'd be happy to hear, Sally, yes. brought into civilization, whereas oh, they weren't that's before. Oh, So there were women and there too, were there? There were women in the past. <laughs> they were, but they, somehow they didn't get much good, they didn't have good marketing they didn't, uh, people they, at yeah. the time. And there were no Spanish artists either in civilization, which is pretty radical. But as Kenneth said, I've taken my, made my own personal choice and you can go whatever yeah. if you don't agree. So well, you know, Robert Hughes fixed that with his book on Goya. Well, yeah, he did. The brilliant book. And The mm. Shock of the Art, of course, was a mm. brilliant uh, series. And there was no sculpture in Shock of the Art. So Shock of the New. Shock of the New. So, yeah, mm. you're right. Thanks, John. So that's that. Now we have a woman out here from called Martha um, Martha Bolshaw, yes. which is a great name. She's a terrible a name. Bolshaw, it's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> she's probably Bolshaw, but I'm we're getting pure so, here today. <laughs> she's the new director of the Tate um, Modern. Ah. And she's out here because they're going to do a bit of a swap with uh, the MCA, then, which is short for you should have seen it last week, John. The MCA in um, I did go there in. Um, in Sydney, which they're planning on moving out to... to Museum of Contemporary Art, yeah, I should to, say, yes. To, um, what was that original settlement in Parramatta? They're planning oh. on moving out there, which is causing... A lot Why? Of, so that the people of the West can have some culture. No, so oh, the like people of Circular Key can build more apartments. Probably. That's a good one, John. <laughs> Take it as you would. So, uh, Martha, so instead of moving, mm-hmm. it's moving it in its from, entirety, yeah, the not power just museum, a, the power museum from uh, where oh. it is to Parramatta oh. to spread things out, which is the movement of things, not to have them too centralised. Which is, um, I don't know, maybe Parramatta must have been a lovely place one day. Yeah. Um, you can so, get some good photo out there. Yeah, Martha Bolshaw is out here because she's um, taking over the taste yes. and she's going to make it uh, an art a place of international, post-imperial, post-colonial and gender-nuanced oh. art. So she wants half of the shows to be by female artists. Now, what was that quote, John? Can you repeat that, please? Yeah, I'm perfectly happy to have uh, successful women artists but uh, not so happy to have successful women artists successful because they're women. Good. Okay, enough said. Mm. It's brilliant. Do you agree with that, Sally? Or you're, you're, well, I just think it's far too complex to say that. I, I, I agree to, uh, in one respect, and yet I also think that that's completely overlooking the fact, the paradigm of cultural uh, construct that actually makes it more difficult for women to be heard and to, for so women is, to create So is art. the opposite true? Is it, do you have men who are successful as artists simply because they're men? I think that me, often men are more easily successful as artists because all the constructs of society enable him to become an artist more easily than they do with a oh, woman. It's never anyway. easy. You, you no, I, I'm not saying it's easy. You haven't but been a man. 
So just be careful what you're saying. <laughs> very careful. Yes, right. Unlike us. <laughs> it is a difficult one, but I read something recently, Sally, before you start um, rolling us to bits. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> about that the men think they're very good drivers, even if they're not. They have much more confidence about driving, yeah, parking, I heard this, all yeah. these things. Yeah. And, and it's something which is ingrained in men. Yes, yes, and I think that I, I think is the part which we get all get really angry at is the men who think they're good when in fact they're not. And yes. Men also think yes. they're smarter than they are. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah. my problem, definitely. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll to that. so Martha's coming. She's doing that. She's also they've had a show on a, a tape called uh, For Queer Arts, which is another thing I find very difficult to. Right. Why do you have to define yourself by your sexuality? I guess if it gets you a show in Tate, then why not? So they're saying that they're going to, there's going to be more art about, um, they're saying that Australian art is not just about gum trees and Ed Kelly, but exploring themes such as feminism, a, the AIDS crisis, isn't that 80s? The AIDS was 80s, isn't uh, it? It's, it's coming back, actually. Coming back, is it? Mm. And, and race discrimination. So that's about who's the fastest, is it? Right. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I, I'm not so going to comment on that. I haven't finished. Oh, uh, haven't you? Okay. I can finish soon if you like. Now, yes, I think we'll need I you to finish soon. I wanted to go in something a little lighter, like Ottoman sexuality. Oh, Ottoman sexuality. Ottoman sexuality. It's not those little puffs you had in the you know, in your living room house. in the seventies. Yes. The um, the Susby sale. Difficult. Sotheby's. Sotheby's sale on yes. the, April the 25th in London mm. of a, um, a, a aging sh- sheik's diary mm-hmm. where he talks about the pleasures of sex. And it's all about uh, homosexual sex, he- heterosexual. At the time, it was all, like with the Greeks, it was all mm-hmm. one thing. Anybody. Was no, it was no, just It was sex. everybody. It's like now. It's all gender open. Yeah. You know, it was the same thing. It's just that they didn't really make a song and dance about it. But um, things changed, of course, and so it, um, it became very... There's a lot of um, lesbianism as well, so it's mm-hmm. the first uh, um, example we have of uh, lesbian sex in Islamic art, which is mostly these days just um, geometrical. Have you ever been to Morocco? Yes, yes. Morocco, yes. there's not one figurative piece. There's yeah. nothing. No, it's all well, just geometric. Well, uh, most, in fact, I thought all Islamic art was well, not Well, Egypt, you've still got the, all the ancient, because oh, you know, yes, yes, they can't. Yes, yes. But, um, it's, but, but that is, you know, it's recent. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't the case before. They just made it that way. Anyway, that's on April the 25th if you want to spend uh, what, what up to 650,000. It it's a diary. It's a book which measures, a manuscript which measures 33 by 22 centimeters. Yes. And it's all, um, very detailed, very, lots of, um, beautiful little miniature paintings. Ah, and that's up describing it's like a sex manual. That sounds like it's right up your boulevard. Right? Does, a little bit indeed. over my price. 650,000. It's a lot. That's it. Hark. Indeed. Time for the news. Uh, Beauty and the Beast coming uh, is on at the Frankston Arts Centre. We we talked to some of those fabulous cast members last week. That's on the 13th of uh, April. Well, it's already opened this weekend and next weekend. Creatures, an adaption of Dot the Kangaroo, April the 28th and 29th at FAC. Did you practice doing this, Mark? No, John, but I do want to know if David Mm -hmm. uh, is a vegetarian, after all he went on about. Uh, registrations for Fringe mm. open this week, so if you've got a show in, you get out, you go to their website. Yeah, so if you've got, he, clearly he didn't read it, okay. No. Dreamhouse <laughs> Theatre Company, which is run by the fabulous Carapachula, are presenting their latest offering, Masquerade, based on the book by Kit Williams. That's on at the Southern Peninsula Arts Centre on Friday, May the 4th. The Southern Peninsula Youth Advisory Group have instigated an inaugural Victorian Youth Week. 
which entails an art competition, an exhibition for young people on the Mornington Peninsula. Applications are open to young people aged 12 to 25 years who live on the peninsula and can be submitted in any of the following categories. Sally, what are they? They are, oh, let's Painting, not... drawing, sculpture, graffiti, dance, art, yes, dance, dance yes, that's right. poetry, and that's it. Right. Yes. Now, On the Map is on uh, at the end of the month. That is uh, the weekend of the 28th. Uh, it, in fact, it is on the April, April the 28th, uh, as we heard earlier on from event organiser Sharon Weems-Smith. Now, we are running out of time here. Um, there's, uh, if you've just tuned in, you've missed Arts About. So, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, never mind. Um, but you can hear the repeat on Wednesdays at 12 or listen to the podcast on the station website. Now, there is a new address for the station website, and that's going to go up on my Facebook page um, because they've implemented a new program. I, I think ultimately it will link from the website, but I don't think it does yet. Anyway, uh, this one will be on... Um, as a pod, uh, as a podcast in about a week. The others are there now. We'll be on again same time next week, 11am Sunday. And remember everybody, we may not know everything about art. Know a bit about fishing, Mark. Oh yeah, a little bit.